like to, I want to invite you to close your eyes. Now don't panic. It's not a trust exercise or any hypnosis going on. Um, but I want you to think about your past week. So reflect on your past week. If you, if you want to keep your eyes open, that's absolutely fine, by the way. If you want to make awkward eye contact with me during this moment, Georgianina, um, then you're more than welcome to do that. But if you have got your eyes closed, just think about how your week has been. Try and recall moments Specifically, uh, in the midst of interactions with non-believers, maybe you're at work, you're in a social activity, um, out with friends, and maybe you've felt a bit of an outcast. Um, you've felt like you're different to them, like you don't really belong in their company. You might have felt pressure to conform to their thinking, their actions, their language, their behaviour. You may have felt oppressed within that group situation with people who aren't Christians. You might even have felt persecuted by comments or uh, little things that were going on. Um, You may have felt for a moment that you suffered socially or relationally because of your faith in Jesus and your desire to live for him in a conscious way. Um, You can open your eyes now, by the way. Hopefully there's no chicken dances going to happen after this. uh, It was not hypnosis. Um, But we'll see throughout, and we're going to stick that in our mind as we go through this, but see throughout this letter of Peter that we... So that's believers in the gospel of Jesus. We receive a powerful reminder of the hope that we have, particularly in the midst of any suffering we may endure. That could be circumstantial or spiritual. Because as God's people, we're different. We live differently. Uh, and, and as a result, people view us differently. The world that we live in will view us differently. And that's, that's right. And that's absolutely okay. In fact... We shouldn't be put off or surprised. Um, In fact, we should expect to receive hardship to some degree uh, and persecution because we've chosen, or if we're going to, obviously under God's divine doctrine of election, we have chosen to follow Jesus, to be subjected to his kingship, to live under his rule and to live under the truth that we find in his word in the Bible. And in doing so, we may well be viewed negatively by those around us who don't choose to live that way. Um, and we may, may already be thinking of experiences that we've had even last week where we know that to be true. In fact, we can go one step further perhaps and say that persecution or suffering should be expected. And actually it can be a gift from God because in those moments it allows opportunities for non-believers and fellow believers also that are going through suffering just to see the generosity and the love of Jesus which we know is fuelled by the hope of his one day triumphant and glorious return. You see, going back to our letter here, Peter was one of Jesus' chosen and possibly closest followers. So initially called Simon, uh, he was called, wasn't he, while he was a fisherman. Now, I think only Andy has got the uh, you know, experience of the good fortune of fishing and then being called by Jesus. Maybe Beth's got the good fortune as well. Um, for Andy to be called away from his fishing. Um, But to be called Peter and to to follow uh, Jesus from being a fisherman. And he lived amongst Jesus. He spoke with him. Most likely he laughed with him. He would have cried with him. He loved Jesus like a brother uh, and Jesus would have loved him. And that's the Peter that's writing this letter. But we also know, if we know through the Gospels, that uh, Peter denied Jesus on three occasions around his trial, his execution and his death. And this showed that Peter was actually, in fact, at this point at least, fragile in spirit. And he was fearful of the perception of himself from those that were around him. 
And yet Peter went on to be a leader, to lead God's people, uh, to follow, to lead, lead God's people to follow Jesus and to continue to follow Jesus even through uh, difficult circumstances. And that is what we see uh, Peter doing here in this letter. Peter, who was appointed by Jesus as an, as an apostle uh, to guide Christians to the knowledge of who God is uh, in a deeper sense and how they were to live being part of God's family uh, in light of their new identity as believers. And he wrote this letter specifically to encourage, at the time, mainly non-Jewish Christians uh, who were experiencing daily harassment and daily hostility and persecution from the communities that they lived in, from their neighbours, from Greeks, from Romans, all because of their faith in Jesus. And he wrote to several churches to encourage them to persevere, particularly in the midst of their suffering, um, as well as reminding them of their identity in Jesus and to continue to follow him. And as Neil preached a few weeks ago, the reason being because being a Christian is worth it and to encourage them to persevere in light of that. Um, and we've seen Peter so far reaffirm through this letter um, that the people who are reading this letter have received a new identity, the part of a family uh, in the church. Once they were exiled around the world, uh, now they are a chosen people a family belonging to God and to one another. Uh, and some of the language used here, particularly to Gentile believers, which was key, covered in language and phrases that was originally belonged to Israel in the Old Testament. Again, identifying that the gospel and this family of believers is not just for, for one person, one people group, but for all. And this was a key strategy uh, that Peter used throughout this letter. Because he wants those persecuted, suffering, non-Jewish Christians, of which we are too, to see that through Jesus they belong to a family. Um, they are exiles, they are sojourners, we've seen that through the letter so far. Looking to God and to his return, um, waiting uh, to enter their promised land, but as we are as well waiting for the return of Jesus and what that will look like for them uh, as they navigate through that. So that's kind of a bit of a background to where we're up to. Uh, we're going to read now. From 1 Peter, chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole text. It's a, a lengthy one, so bear with me in that. Um, and as I said, we're not necessarily going to touch on every aspect of it. We'll read through the passage now, uh, and then we'll pray and we'll continue. So, 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8, says this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to you this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 
For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer, for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready, ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the people are, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is, is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Long time. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for who you are, that you're a good God. Um, and as we look at your word now, we know um, that you've given us your spirit to be with us. You've given us your word to help us. And I pray that our hearts will be um, inclined to you to want to hear the voice of your spirit. We want to um, not just hear words from me, but we want to hear you speak. We want to have life-changing, transformative um, moments together so that we are we understand more of who you are we respond in worship more to who you are and that we can just uh, listen to the voice of your spirit in a way that where we can uh, leave this place this afternoon um, with a greater level of confidence in in the gospel of Jesus uh, and any interactions we may have will just be fueled and um, saturated in the truth of the gospel. Help us, we pray, um, Holy Spirit, just now as we spend some time together uh, in, in the Word of God. Uh, and we pray this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So you hear that already, <laughs> um, as I mentioned, it's a big passage, so we're not going to get through all of it um, verse by verse, which is, you know, sad in a way. Um, but they do say that some of the verses in this passage are some of the hardest to interpret in the Bible. Um, so that worked out well for me. Um, but looking at, a key thing to look at this afternoon is going to be what our calling is as Christians uh, and how we respond in light of that. So I just wanted to go through three things uh, from our passage, uh, whistle stop, um, just for the time that we've got to go through. But 
The first thing to look at is obviously in light of the context being in light of suffering, perhaps, persecution. I want to focus in um, on, on the following thing, which is that we, again, being the church of Jesus Christ, that we are a blessed people and we're also called to be a blessing to others. And we'll kind of take some text from verse 8 to 17 uh, as we do this, as we dip in and out. But first, um, as Christians, we know we're blessed. Um, we know we've received the greatest blessing possible in the person and work of Jesus and our faith that he's given to us. But I want to look at a bit more detail. What does it mean to be blessed? And what does it mean to be a blessing to others? You may have heard that word, I've said that word a lot in the last 30 seconds. Um, you might have heard that word blessed or blessing a lot in the past. And I think we often assume it means that we've received good things, that we have, we're the recipient perhaps of material things, of good health, good security, or family. We feel blessed that life is going well for us. Um, we feel that we can bless other people with what we have. Um, and and what, by sharing the, the, the blessings that we've received from God. Um, now, can anyone remember the phrase on Twitter, hashtag blessed? Yeah, I, I, knew Andy, I knew Andy would be on board with this. Um, I wrote down here, millennial, I know what millennial is. Um, but obviously that, that, like, that um, age group, that time frame. But there was, there was um, a while ago, there was a lot of, on Twitter, hashtag blessed. And just give, give an example of what some things I've, I would have read in the past said. Just had a great day at work. I love my job. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> I have an amazing family and amazing friends. Hashtag blessed. Or one more. Um, so blessed to have so many amazing restaurants on my doorstep to enjoy amazing food with my friends. Hashtag blessed. Yeah, maybe, I hope that's one of your tweets, by the way. Um, it certainly wasn't when I went, went through them. Um, it seems a little bit silly when you highlight them like that, but that's how we can view blessing a lot of the time. Positive experiences or things in our lives that are going well, things that we enjoy. Um, but I think we know these things are transient. They come and they go. We can even attribute our blessing to God um, by stating that he has blessed us. So you've got the hashtag blessed, but I think you might have seen as well the upgrade to hashtag thank you Jesus. That's the next one that you kind of go to when you really want to spiritualise it. But again, it's looking um, at what blessing actually means. And these things are partially true. Of course, God blesses us with good things. We know that. Um, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But we know that God does bless us with um, wonderful things through family and things like that. But I don't think that's necessarily what, what we mean by blessed in its truest theological sense. See, to be blessed actually means to be made holy. And the means by which we have been blessed or made holy was for Jesus to become cursed for our sake on the cross. So at the cross, we receive forgiveness of our sins. And we now have God's Holy Spirit literally dwelling within us. We've been given the righteousness of Jesus that enables us to inherit eternal life and not eternal death and damnation that we know that we would have deserved. And there's so much more in that, but that is what makes us blessed. And because we are a blessed people, we're called to be a blessing to those around us. But it is so important that we understand and have a right view of what it means to be a blessed people or a holy people in order to know what it truly looks like to bless others. And if you look at your passage um, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 to 9, you'll see a couple of things here which Peter calls us to. And they're paraphrased on here, but you'll see them in your, in your text. It says, you know, we're called to have unity of mind, to have sympathy toward others, to have brotherly love 
for others, to live with a tender heart and a humble mind. We're called not to repay evil for evil, but to bless others or to demonstrate that holiness toward other people. We're called to keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. And we're called to turn away from evil and to do good and to seek and to pursue peace. That is how we are a blessing to other people, by demonstrating the holiness that God has given to us in Jesus towards our brothers and our sisters within, within our church context, or that could be locally, that could be obviously further afield as well, but also to um, other people that we're seeking to reach that perhaps don't yet know Jesus and how we can be a blessing to them. Because without this mindset of, be, of blessing meaning holiness, we're going to struggle to display it in difficult circumstances. If we attribute, attribute being blessed or receiving blessing with all the positive things going on in life, um, or even having a tone of, I feel happy and blessed because of what we've got in a given moment, then we're going to struggle to do that, struggle to experience that and to relate that um, when things aren't going so well or when we're experiencing suffering. And of course, the context that Peter's writing into is hostility, it's harassment, um, persecution and genuine suffering for the people there. Um, going to really struggle in those moments to write hashtag blessed in a tweet if difficult if circumstances are difficult. But imagine the impact it will have towards other people if you have a right view of what it means to be blessed in all circumstances. And just, you know, we continue on this theme of Twitter. I know it's a millennial thing, but key with it. Um, what if you were to say, I lost my job today, but God is good, hashtag blessed. Or going through difficult circumstances with trying to have a family, but we're trusting God, hashtag blessed. Or struggling with health, but looking forward to receiving my resurrected body, hashtag blessed. The difference that would make to live as a blessed, what it looked like to live as a blessed people, regardless of the circumstances um, that we face, and to remain fervent in the hope that we have in Jesus. I'm going to read the next few verses. You go to uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 14 to 16. I read it earlier on, but just a um, familiar verse, I'm sure, for us. But it says this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your heart, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. And then hopefully there familiar verses but really having um, those verses there to have an answer for the defence that, w- that is within us. I want to encourage each of us here this afternoon to remember that we are in fact blessed. We are made holy by a God. We're in a constant state of being blessed because of our holiness um, and our ability as Christians to live out our calling. It doesn't depend on how well we're doing or how we're feeling but obviously on what God has done for us uh, in and through Jesus, and we know this if we're Christians and we know the gospel, we know that God chose a public execution as the means by which he would redeem his people. Jesus defeated sin and death through his humility and holiness, not by appearing socially strong or confident or sharing positive things that he was enjoying in a given moment, but he praised God right to the point of death, 
He lived in holiness, sharing the good news of the gospel in all circumstances. And as, as believers, he's called us to do the same. And how amazing would it be when we're suffering, when we're struggling, when we're feeling oppressed, but people see us carrying on in a positive spirit. This is a church, reading a Bible, praying with other people, serving other people, speaking openly about the goodness of God. And they're asking us why, and it goes back to that 1 Peter 3, 4, uh, 15. Why? How? Effectively, they're asking us for the reason, for the hope that we have. And in those moments, we can tell them it's Jesus. We can show them it's the gospel of Jesus. And we can invite them in to see, to hear, uh, to taste for themselves who Jesus is and what he has done for them. And that is our calling as Christians. Um, And again, the wonderful thing we're going to see as we go through here is that we don't do this on our own. But we do this as a church, as a, a blessed and holy people. And the next part of this is that we're called, as God's people, as the church, to endure in Christ. Again, looking at verses 18 to 22. So have your mind in those, for, your eyes in those for now. But that word endure, what is endurance? Um, I think when we... Well, it says, well, I know what endurance is. That's a rhetorical question. Um, to endure means to continue in the face of difficulty or hostility. But when we consider the term endurance, I think immediately um, we'd go to the thought of a race or a physical activity that we might aspire to complete. Um, for some, that might look like running a marathon. Pretty sure you ran, did you run a marathon last week or two weeks ago? Oh, just, just a half, okay. Just a half marathon, marathon, yeah. Um, for others, it might look like cycling. I have to look, look this up, by the way, from John O'Groats to Land's End. How far is that, do you know? Anyone know? I thought you were a cyclist. No? Anyone know? No? Oh, you do know? I'm a cyclist. Oh, you're a cyclist, there you go. Well, I didn't, I didn't know what cycling race, apart from the Tour de France, but I shouldn't have been no one doing a local Tour de France. But you can cycle from John O'Groats to Land's End. Or for other people, that might look like pausing a movie or a Netflix episode to go upstairs and use the bathroom. You know, we laugh, but that the struggle is real. That's, 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 that's my level of endurance um, to get, get up the stairs. But the key to understanding, um, to our understanding here and to implementing endurance is to view it in a, what we class as a countercultural way. You see, culture tells us that to survive or to endure relies on ourselves, relies on our strength, our fitness, perhaps our mental and physical capacity to overcome an obstacle, but to endure spiritually points us towards what God has already done for us. And when Peter writes in these verses, he reminds the readers that Jesus himself also suffered. I think doing this is to remind them that we look to the one in our suffering who has suffered more than anybody. Um, but G- the suffering of Jesus, Jesus um, achieved something amazing. We see this in verse 18. It says, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And again, going back to that endurance analogy, Jesus suffered once to bring us to God. We see that the race is complete. It's won. Jesus has accomplished what we couldn't and secured our prize, our inheritance, our future glory. And in our circumstances, Jesus is our endurance. Our endurance is achieved through our faith in Jesus. We see 
A reminder here as well in verse 20 says this, they, which is, which is uh, humanity at the time, formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Quite an interesting segue in the passage there, but Peter here is pointing to Noah's endurance when building the ark and carrying out all the instructions that were, that were given to him by God in the face of great hostility from those around him. But Noah's endurance was actually God's patience with mankind, um, giving them opportunity to repent and keeping Noah strong in spirit. We saw there that, um, I mean, I've again done a little bit of research, you might correct me, somebody might, hopefully not right now, but at the end, um, is that it was roughly between 55 and 75 years it took Noah to build the ark. That is a lot of patience and a lot of endurance. And we're talking, you know, up to 75 years of doing that in a context of oppression, um, hostility, harassment. Um, I actually quite like Evan Almighty as a film, to be honest, but it's, you know, it doesn't quite paint the picture of what it would have been like. Um, but here, Noah's endurance encourages us that God is faithful, that as we live for him and we pursue holiness within a culture that is hostile, and rejecting of God, it points us to God's provision for us, to his faithfulness. Um, and there's a picture of how God is with us and for us as we seek to bear witness to the gospel in a world that is hostile towards believers, to Christians, uh, and very rejecting of God. But our calling is clear to continue to endure in your witness to the gospel of Jesus as a blessed and holy people. That's the calling that we have. No, the suffering we experience vindicates us um, as we know that Jesus himself suffered persecution and he was able to endure all the way to the cross. So we're called to, to endure as believers. But the final point as we close um, is that we're called to suffer together. Again, not in our own strength, but in Christ Jesus. Um, and we'll see that looking at chapter four and uh, the first 11 verses. But... In your mind, just go back to that beginning of, the serve, of our time together when we reflected on moments that we'd had. We might have felt like an outcast with friends, uh, unbelieving friends, unbelieving um, work colleagues, were in perhaps conversations or um, gossips or whatever it might have been when we just felt like we're different. We're not re- we didn't really belong as part of that group um, and how we might have felt in those moments. But if we did feel that way, you know, Peter's telling us that's good. That's the right way to feel. Um, we should view this as a positive thing. I think it is a strange concept, isn't it, to, to be called to suffer. Uh, no one likes suffering. Uh, whenever things happen in life or we, we feel that level of, of social rejection or a circumstance which obviously is really difficult to, to navigate, we don't enjoy that in the moment. We don't ask for that or crave that. But I think the Bible is telling us that you know, it's actually a positive thing. Um, because it, it draws us nearer to Jesus. It draws us nearer to God. Um, and I think it's important, isn't it, as well, that as, as Christians, when we um, have friendships or we're in social groups with unbelievers, that's an important thing. It's important to build relationships um, with non-believers. And I think our motivation, isn't it, is hopefully to share the gospel with them with you know we're, we we're about to enter a, a season where we would love nothing more than to have a room full of, of non-christians we'd love to have people come to hear the gospel and to try to, to do that we need to be in building relationships don't we in building friendships with people and that's a really positive 
thing. But I think here the call isn't it because I think we, we can, at some stage you may have all felt it. Peter's calling us to be willing and ready to stand firm in our holiness, um, and as a result, possibly to expect persecution from those that don't view um, God in the same way that we do. And we see that in, in the here going to chapter four, verses one to three. And again, some paraphrase here, but we'll see um, what we're called to be as believers. It says, be of the same way of thinking as Christ who suffered. We're called to live for the will of God and not for human passions. We're called to abstain from impurity, from drunkenness, from idolatry and passions of the flesh. And in verse four, we see there is, if we, if we are to do that, we're looking at what the response is from those people. Look at verse four, they all malign you. Or actually... Um, I did a bit of another uh, translation and the NIV actually states that these people will heap abuse on you. Um, it's what God's word is saying. It's painting that picture of what, it, what we should expect to experience um, from people in the world as we suffer, as, we're, as we seek to live lives that are uh, reflective of, of the gospel and of the goodness of God. We also expect people to, to respond uh, in, a, in a negative way to that. Um, but look at our example look at Jesus he was constantly criticised rejected he'd perform amazing uh, miracles and then was asked to leave towns and villages he was belittled he was mocked and we know that on his mission to live in holiness and obedience and perfection and his righteousness uh, to redeem his people we know that ultimately he was murdered um, by people that he was living amongst, that he was seeking to uh, minister to, to teach, to serve in, in different ways. And I think here we're called to suffer as Christ suffered. Um, and we will if we're living as a holy people. And I think the way that we seek to live as a church, yes, to serve, but to, to stand firm with biblical truth in the context of a world that is rejecting of God means that we are going to be rejected by people around Lark Lane. We are going to be rejected by people around Egbert of the Dingle. Our neighbours are going to reject us. Uh, work colleagues might reject because ultimately what, what Peter's saying here is Jesus himself was rejected by people. And we know that when we, we seek to bring the beautiful fragrance of the gospel to a, an unbelieving world that doesn't know him, it may be beautifully fragrant or it may be the stench of death. Um, but Peter's calling us, um, the reader, to really remain faithful and stand firm in not deviate, deviating away from being a holy people, a blessed uh, people. But here, in, in, again in closing, we see in the final few verses of this of chapter here that Peter calls us to live again in the context, not just uh, in a world who doesn't know Jesus, but how we can love and support one another as the church. Um, and it says this, we should be alert, uh, super-minded, we should think clearly um, in what we do. But here, and this is really, really important, we should love each other deeply. It says there, um, we should love each other deeply above all things. We should offer hospitality without grumbling. That's a challenge, isn't it? The without grumbling part. We should use our gifts to serve one another, either practically, spiritually, uh, and we should speak truth of the word of God over one another and we do um, but it's to continue to do that in light of um, what God who God has called us to be 
as a church because we're united by the blood of Jesus. Um, but we are going to receive hostility from a world that rejects the truth of who Jesus is. And if that's you in your workplace, in, your, in a social group, in the street that, we, that you live on, um, it's taking heart and it's, it's allowing the church together to support, to love above all things, to um, pray with each other, to read the Bible together, to continue to support one another, to stand firm um, in the truth. And it says in verse 11, um, why do we do this? It says here, to him, to, to, to Jesus, be the glory and power. And that's why we do these things, isn't it? We do it for the glory of God. We do it um, for the fame of Jesus. Um, so to summarise, and just a few things to take away, um, to summarise what we've looked at, apologies for the squeaky shoes again, do you hear that? I'm standing in a trench. Um, we do this by um, doing the following, knowing that we are blessed people, that we are holy people, no matter our circumstance, no matter what we experience, any suffering we may endure, again, uh, in a physical, practical sense, or a social sense, or a spiritual sense, because our blessing is in the person and work of Jesus, not our circumstances. We do this by enduring through the suffering, knowing that Jesus has secured eternal life for us um, and that one day we'll be with him for eternity, praising him. Um, and no amount of persecution that we experience, no amount of suffering we experience can take that away from us, of course. Um, and finally, we do this by suffering together, um, by being the blessed and holy body of Christ by being the church. We're called to serve one another, to live out holiness together as God's people, to pray with one another, pray for one another. And again, coming back to what Peter says in, in chapter four there, to love one another deeply as people who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Um, and that's what I want to encourage us to do uh, this week to love one another, to suffer for Jesus, to reach out to people who are suffering as well, um, to really be prayerful of one another and, and almost leading one another to endure together um, as God's people. Let's pray together.